And I never thought that I would be out of the bondage of meticulously counting everything and always like having to work really hard at it. And now I feel like being hormonally balanced, um, having my blood sugar be healthy, um, feeling good when I just in my body, when I do my everyday life activities, feeling strong, feeling good. That is what feels amazing. So whatever my weight ends up being, it doesn't really matter because for once in my life, I feel like I'm thriving. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski. So glad you come back to listen. I have a wonderful special guest today that I'm bringing to you, and I am uh, really thrilled and honored that uh, she said yes to come here. Um, some of you guys may know the name, uh, some of you may not, but um, we're going to have a wonderful conversation uh, today. So uh, Jackie McCoy is my guest today, and um, as many of you know, I have a wellness business, and I've been working with, um, partnered with Shackley for uh, about 21 years, and several years ago, I was at a convention, and Jackie was speaking, and I got to hear her story, and um, we also met in the hall and had a wonderful conversation and a connection, and um I'm bringing her on today, well, for many reasons, but Jackie was part of a show called Extreme Makeover Weight Loss Edition, and she is going to share about that journey a little bit and share about her uh, life since then and just lots of fun, uh, wonderful things. So before I go any farther, um, welcome, Jackie, to the show. I'm really honored that you are here. Thank you so much. I love being here, and I love that you started this podcast. I think it's so awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, yeah, I just celebrated my year anniversary. So I'm super excited about that and more stories to share and um, great things, you know, great things to come. But um, let's start again with you. As I talk with others, um, I talk about, you know, I have people start with their story. So let's start. And I know you have lots of lots of story and lots of history and things like that. But I'd really would like to for you to, again, kind of talk about that leading up to that um, time on that show. And um, let's just start start there. Okay. Um, I do have a lot. I'm going to try to make it more condensed um, so we can talk about the more exciting part, which is the now. But um, I had struggled with my weight since I was a young teenager. And it seemed no matter how hard I tried to do the right things, I ended up like losing a little and gaining and losing and gaining. And just like people say, um, I would end up gaining more than I even lost. And every single year I just was struggling more. And, um, I got to a point where it was just so frustrating. The cycle was so frustrating and I felt so bad about myself, but I was tired of doing all the same things over and over again. I had met my husband who was 
just a wonderful guy. And I had gotten married and I had amazing friends and I had a great family. So I kind of, at a certain point in my life, resigned that I was just going to be heavy and I was going to struggle with my body, but I was just going to have a good life anyway. So I kind of gave up for a while, but I did keep gaining weight and I ended up at my highest weight ever. I was 365 pounds, but I, you know, I, I really did embrace life and the, the good things in my life that I had, but then we wanted to start a family and having kids was very important to me. I was really excited about it and we weren't getting pregnant, weren't getting pregnant. And finally, when I went to the doctor and we got all the testing done, they were like, well, your chance of having a baby is really, really low. And if you stay this weight, probably not going to happen at all. And we also won't even help you with fertility treatments because you're too overweight for us to do that. We just won't do it. And so that was when I was like, oh, wow, well, now I have to do something because this is my number one dream in life. Like I could say, okay, it's okay if I can't do this, this, and this, but this was the one thing that I wanted more than anything. So um, I started looking into things again and multiple doctors told me that the only way at my weight that I just was so far gone that the only way for me to lose weight was to have weight loss surgery. But everything inside me was worried about that because, you know, I had struggled my weight, but I did care about health. And I had a mom who cared very much about health. And I was always worried about the malabsorption part of weight loss surgery. And I was like, but wait, if my number one goal is to carry babies, I need the babies to get the nutrition. And so I just never felt right about doing it personally. But I, I still would just spin my wheels and like, you know, lose 20 pounds, gain 20 pounds, lose. And so the show um, was advertising and it was actually the same casting people that did other weight loss television because it was like a whole genre for a while where people were really excited about it. So, and they were like, we're casting this new weight loss show. Um, if you have hundreds of pounds to lose, then you should apply. And I was not somebody who really wanted to be that open, but I was at a place where I really did not think I had a lot of options. And so I applied. And crazily, they picked me. And I was so excited because I was like, well, I'm going to be able to lose the weight. Um, so then I went on this crazy journey. It ended up being very different than I anticipated, but it wasn't all bad. Um, it had, I did learn some things. I made some amazing relationships. The host of the show was a trainer that has so much heart and is a beautiful person. But what they taught me there basically is to over-exercise and under-eat to an extreme way. I, I mean, we ate, I think compared to our exercise, which was four to six hours a day, like five days a week. And then on Saturday we got a break and we only did two hours. And then Sunday we didn't do any exercise, but, and, uh, we were eating, I mean, I think what they told us to eat at that point was, you know, the standard for a low calorie diet that everyone can think of in their head, but, um, people ate much less than that. So basically it was a I mean, I did lose 207 pounds in one year and everyone said, hooray, you're amazing. Mm -hmm. But I felt terrible and I didn't, still didn't know how to be healthy. I had lived in my largest body where I had kind of ignored all my body signals and 
not felt well and felt like my body was a prison. And then I was in a smaller body that felt like a different kind of prison. And I was in a bigger mental prison than ever because now I was also terrified of not being an inspiration anymore, but my body was completely out of whack and I didn't know how to maintain this thing that everyone thought I was amazing for doing. And it also was interesting because nobody ever asked me if I felt good. <laughs> you know, people just assumed that if you lost 207 pounds, you have to feel better. And I really didn't, but I'm a people pleaser, which is why I did really great on the show. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't want to let anyone down. So if they said I was amazing, then I was going to pretend like I felt amazing. So that well, and, was the beginning. Yeah. And you, you know, and you're not the only one I have, um, a friend, a client that, um, well, not due to my coaching, but she did something, uh, you know, was able to lose weight and lost a, a real significant, I mean, not a hundred pounds, but I think pretty close to it. And, um, we had kind of lost touch. And when I uh, got back in touch with her and we were talking she told me that I'm like, wow, you must feel great. And she says, as a matter of fact, I really don't, <laughs> you know, I don't. And so we've been talking about nutritional deficiencies and things like that to try to get things back in order, if you will. But um, it's interesting. But I mean, that's what that's what the that's what culture is, right? Like we're too much look looking at the looks. And if you look good, then you must be awesome and you must be you must feel great, right? If you look great, you must feel great. Right. And, and that is what was pumped into my head my entire life, either directly or subliminally. I mean, many different ways. That was the idea that was if you were at a healthy weight and I'm using air quotes when I say healthy, because I have now learned that, I mean, that's very subjective, but if you're smaller or at a healthier weight, then you are healthier. And health is actually very complicated and there's many different factors that go into whether you feel healthy or not. And really it all comes down to the habits. If you're focusing on habits that make your, your body healthier and happier, you're not always in control of what your weight will do per se. Like you might, I hear people all the time that are like, and I can't get to a healthy weight. And I'm like, but you are healthy. You just can't get to the like vanity size that you want, which is a totally different thing. But anyways, I had not been taught healthy habits because I had really been taught how to under eat and over exercise. That's it. Um, I didn't, I wasn't taught how to listen to my body better. I wasn't taught really how to nourish myself because they didn't even really talk about food quality that much. I mean, it was mostly just calories. That's it. And, um, so I learned how to stick within a calorie restriction, but I think anyone who has ever done calorie restriction knows that it's never going to be something that's long-term because always there's like an equal and opposite reaction later. So what I fell into was the same thing that I always fell into, even though I was able to sustain it longer than I had ever sustained anything. And I really think that's only because of external pressure. I felt pressure to be the thing that everyone wanted me to be. And I also felt pressure from myself because I thought that this was going to lead me to my family, like to my children, which is what we really wanted. So I stuck with it the longest I ever had. But as soon as everything started to fall apart, I was back in a cycle of restriction and binging, which is a terrible 
terrible cycle to be in because technically I never felt well because I was either really trying to restrict my food to try to maintain my weight or get smaller if I had regained any, but then I could do that for five days. And then on day six, I'm suddenly eating everything in the pantry. And I also felt like I had, like I was this broken, flawed person. Like, why couldn't I just get down to this weight and just be normal? Why couldn't I be normal my whole entire life? It was mentally, physically, all the ways I was truly a mess. And it it hurt my marriage, which was like very rock steady. Like everything was great with it. And then I think somebody who's not nourished well and is over exercising, you're like, you have nothing left to give somebody else, and you're very cranky. So I was very <laughs> irritable. So. Well, and I remember because I saw the show, and I remember that that your husband is, I mean, you have a, he has a, you have a beautifully loving husband. I remember that from the show, like how he stuck by you, and you know, it's, you know, but just as you're saying this, it's like, I don't know, you must have, it just must have been an awful, like, like expectations are here. Like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do what I, you know, that's going to get me to my goal. And then you just, I just, you know, thought of like, you got sucked in, but you know, I mean, you just, you did the program, you followed the rules, you followed their direction. And it led you to like, it's like, it sounds like you like woke up and you're like, how did I get here? And this isn't what, this isn't what I expected. Right. Yeah. It wasn't what I expected and it wasn't even better. Um, it was just a different kind of struggle. And, and actually it was harder because at that point I had a lot more eyes on me, people paying attention to what I was doing. So not only did I have my own guilt, shame, worry, all these different things, I had people that would say, Oh, you're gaining weight. What's happening? And I, I mean, the thing about weight is that everything is visible. So if you're getting smaller, getting bigger, and everybody tells you about it and I never realized what a detriment it would be that everyone was paying attention or people would be like, oh, are you allowed to eat that if I eat dessert or something? And so I would be like, oh, I can't eat dessert in public. Like that's a no-no. And it was just totally, totally, my mind was in every single direction. And I was like, gosh, you, and people would be like, you were given this gift. And it was a gift in some ways. Um, and they're like, and when I would be struggling, they'd be like, you're wasting it. Why aren't you sticking to the plan? But the plan was never sustainable. And it also wasn't normal, but basically since then I've, because I did the show, I met you in 2000, let's see, I met you in 2012, I think, but I, And again, in 2013, we talked also, but I did the show from 2010 to 2011. So it has been almost 10 years since the end of the show. And I feel like what, what has happened after the show, but would have never happened if I didn't do the show. That's why I'm still grateful for it. But everything that's happened after the show, it was a very long, difficult process, but I feel like that was where all the healing happened mentally and physically. And finally, the number on the scale means almost nothing to me because that isn't what has helped me at all thrive. And, and, and truly I am at a place where I'm like, you know what? I'm not in charge of the number. I'm in charge of when I move my body, I feel better. Not because 
I don't ever think of a calorie burn anymore. I think of my physical movement as almost like a mental health tool. Like, cause mm-hmm. I feel better mentally. I'm a better mom. I, I know it helps me with insulin resistance, which is something I'm prone to cause I have PCOS. And so I focus on those kinds of things. Um, I focus on eating foods that make me feel good in my body. And you know what? There are foods though that make you feel good mentally. Like it feels good to eat a cookie and to have no guilt or shame attached to it. But I completely threw out counting calories completely. And I thought that that would lead to weight gain. And it actually led to my weight being stable. And then actually I did end up losing weight that I gained in some of my pregnancies. And I never thought that I would be out of the bondage of meticulously counting everything and always like having to work really hard at it. And now I feel like being hormonally balanced, um, having my blood sugar be healthy, um, feeling good when I just in my body, when I do my everyday life activities, feeling strong, feeling good, that is what feels amazing. So whatever my weight ends up being, it doesn't really matter because for once in my life, I feel like I'm thriving. And it really has very little to do. And I'm not my lightest weight at all. And I don't care. I know. But, you know, the wonderful things that you said, I mean, I hope that the listeners like rewind and listen to that. Like what you said is profound and just beautiful that you are not in bondage anymore. And again, you don't have to have an eating disorder to be in bondage for, you know, for again, loathing your body and like not liking the way that you look in the mirror. And I mean, the fact that you are out of like, you just, and I love what you said about like moving your body. Like, that's what I do too. Like I've, you know, I've, um, I love to, to work out and be active and stuff like that. But that's what I think about when I drag myself, you know, around the park to walk, or I, you know, take myself someplace to work out. That's what I think about. Like, this is good for my health, but it's good for my mental health. You know, when I go to the yoga studio and I spend some time in hot yoga, it's, I think it's more mental for me, mentally good than just physically. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing, a a wonderful place that you've gotten to. Well, it made these things feel like a benefit instead of a punishment, because I think that that's a lot. I remember when I used to go to the gym, there was this one cycle instructor and I loved spin class. And she would always be like, we know you're going to eat a lot this Super Bowl Sunday or whatever the holiday was. And she'd be like, you better work harder. So you're not like, she would just say things that were not cool. I'm actually not even going to repeat them, but everything was about the calorie burn and about like making sure you earned your chicken wings or whatever it was. And, um, it was a horrible mentality and it makes people, the, the thing is, is like people go on and off exercise and on and off diets because, and when I say diet, I mean, even healthy eating. I don't, because they're like, oh, well, if the end result is not a smaller body, which is what everyone tells me is the ultimate goal, then why am I doing it? And, since a smaller body has been completely off the table, 
suddenly I'm the most consistent I've ever been in my entire life because I'm doing it for me. And it's a beautiful thing to, if I'm having a super energetic day, then I can do a really intense workout. And if I'm having a day where I just feel more tired or I just need a then I can have a leisurely walk. But in the past, I couldn't do that because I'd be like, well, a leisurely rock doesn't burn enough calories. Mm -hmm. But when calories are not a part of it at all, it's feeling good in your body. I gave myself permission to eat all different kinds of foods. And you know what? I always come back to the nourishing foods mostly, most of my diet, because that's what feels good. Mm -hmm. And I also, I have to say that what part of the reason I think people feel like they're out of control, at least this is how it was for me. And I've talked to many other women, people think they're out of control around food or they um, have food addiction or all these different things that I thought that I had. It really stemmed from restriction. It didn't. So as soon as restriction was off the table, I can tell you, I have not binged in years, but I also haven't restricted in years, but all the years that I did restrict, I binged. I would call myself a sugar addict. Well, I always was trying to avoid sugar on all the different kinds of diets that I would do. Usually that was like the hard and fast rule. And I've done a ton of diets. Well, as soon as I was like, you know what? I want to eat dessert. And if I'm going to eat it, I'm going to eat it. Suddenly some days I didn't want it. And so it wasn't a big deal to me. It had no power over me, me anymore because it wasn't forbidden. So, I mean, I could eat anything I want. And when people are like, oh, I would be so unhealthy. And I was like, no, you think you would be. And after mm -hmm. you're healing from restriction at first, you do tend to overindulge a little bit. Cause you're like, oh, I haven't allowed myself to eat a brownie in years or whatever without guilt. Right. And so maybe you do overindulge, but then at some point it's like, oh, well I've had enough and I don't want any more. And if I want it tomorrow, you can have it. And, and one thing I definitely wanted to bring up is that when, when in self-reflection and therapy, which I love therapy, I feel like everyone should go because mm -hmm. it's the best, but Amen. Um, I, I couldn't understand a lot of the things that the therapist would tell me because I just wasn't healed enough yet. It took a lot of years. Um, but looking back at my life, I really do feel like I would never have struggled to such an extreme, in such an extreme way with my weight if I had never gone on the first diet. And when I say diet, it's because the, the diet I went on, uh, it was a very popular diet at the time. And I was like, I don't know. I think I was like 13 and I was what somebody would think just a little bit overweight, but my doctor, my pediatrician had told my mom that I was overweight. Um, I, I look at those, the pictures of me and I was just a, a little bit bigger of a girl. I wasn't, I mean, I was, it was not a big problem, but as soon as I started dieting, that is when I started secretly eating in my closet because I was ashamed. That's when all of a sudden I put, there was good foods and bad foods. And if you ate these foods, you were a good person. And if you ate these foods, you were a bad person. And all of a sudden the relation and my body, I didn't hear like anything about health really. I just heard your body is wrong. And I heard it at a very young age. So I always think about, I wonder what would have happened in my life if I had never gone on that first diet. And that doesn't mean that somebody couldn't have like talked to me more about, you know, different healthy habits, but honestly, I wasn't an unhealthy kid. And I think people come in a lot of different shapes and sizes and that healthy really doesn't look the way that we think in our mind, because the time that people would have said you looked the healthiest you ever looked, that was not the healthiest I had ever been. And, um, I just, I really do think for me and a lot of people, not everyone, I think that you can get there a lot of places. It did start with dieting. So now that my eyes have been opened to diet culture and all the lies 
I just, I can't unsee it. And I, I want to prevent people from getting into that cycle ever. I would love to have like a generation that wasn't subjected to it. Like we were. Yeah. It would be interesting to see how, how that generation was. I mean, the interview that I just, um, Simone, uh, Yemen, uh, that you'll, for listeners, if you haven't listened to that one, um, it's a great one, but she went on a diet when she was like two months old, you know, her first diet, because she talks about her mother said that she was a bit of a chubby kid. And, Mm. um, and so she just was put on a diet at that same kind of thing, like started so early with this, you know, thought that you're just, again, you're not enough or you're too much or you're, you know, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, I mean, you said it right. It's a bunch of lies. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's hard for some, it's hard for many of us to perhaps get away from that because it just keeps, it just keeps perpetuating and going on and on. And then what you see on social media, it just continues on. And it's really is uh, so many lies. And I love what you said that, cause what you were saying and you didn't use exact words, but you were list, you listen to your body, you listen to yourself and you give yourself what you think you want, you know, that it's like your body wants a walk or your body wants a brownie or your body. And that's, and you're listening to yourself and your needs and not to what every, everybody else around you is telling you. That's exactly it. And the thing that sent goosebumps down my spine when you were saying it though is, and you know what? I thought if I did that, that everything would go terribly wrong because I couldn't trust myself at all. And truly everything came together and I was like, oh, this is what I always wanted. What I thought I wanted was a a weight on the scale, but what I really wanted was for my mind and my body to work in harmony and to like, for me to honor what it needs and for, uh, and for like everything to come together. And when it did so many things that I had been like white knuckling my way to trying to get came easily. And, um, I really talked to way too many people about it now because I'm just like, Oh my goodness, almost everybody's trapped to some extent, whether even if somebody's never had any weight problems ever, whenever I talk to women, no matter who it is, they tell me that usually they do not have a healthy relationship with food in their body. And if they do by some chance have one, they've usually put a lot of work in. It's not like it just came naturally. And this is every type of woman. And when I realized that, it made me so sad because I was like, society is really in a place where it would be very difficult, if not impossible, to grow up without having a lot of food guilt and body shame. And, and you know, the people that win when all the women feel bad about themselves are people selling products to try to fix you. Well, you know, it's one of those things that like, the weight loss industry wouldn't be such a huge industry if, you know, if we were healthier, right? I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just. Well, and as soon as you're woken up to their, to their plans and their schemes, suddenly like you don't, like nothing could allure me anymore. Now I see like diet culture everywhere now. And I'll, I'll see it from like memes on the internet to like marketing campaigns for different products. And I'm like, none of this is really about getting healthier. And I think like if your number one goal is to be skinnier, fine. There's a ton of different ways to do that. I mean, although the proof is, is that 
it doesn't work long term. So it depends on what you mean by working. I mean, I knew a ton of things that would work, but it didn't really work long term. Mm-hmm. But if your goal is to truly be healthier and healthier is just this all encompassing, amazing feeling, then there isn't that you, there's like all these different ways that actually are going to go against what you really want and need. Mm -hmm. And I think they are preying on insecurity. And when you're really healing, the cool thing that I got to do is I got to really look inside myself and evaluate, like, am I doing these things? Cause I took it way beyond just like my weight. I was like, am I doing this because I want to do it for myself or am I doing it because I feel like there's pressure, external pressure to get me to do it. So one thing I stopped doing, and I'm not telling people they need to stop doing this because everyone always thinks that I'm saying people shouldn't, but I'm saying for me, I stopped dyeing my hair. And the reason I stopped dyeing my hair is because I realized the only reason I dyed it is because I felt like it was socially unacceptable for me to have like silver hair at this point in my life. Like, and so I always dyed it red and I liked red hair, but the upkeep was crazy. And I got to a point where I didn't want to, but I was still doing it. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just not going to do it anymore. And I just started evaluating everything, (laughs) like everything I did. I was like, wait, did I do this because I really wanted to like, and certain things. Yeah. Like I love wearing mascara. It has nothing to do with whether you think I'm cute or not. Like I like it. It makes me feel happy. But if it was something that didn't make me feel happy, that's part of also my mental health is like getting rid of those things because they're not really truly what I want or need. Right. And, you know, for me who grew up uh, in a bit of a codependency, a lot of codependency, that's what you're doing. I mean, when you're codependent and you're doing things so that, you know, you're doing things for other people and because of the way that they'll react or, you know, they'll be happy and people pleasing and all that kind of stuff. But when you truly are, not codependent and you're doing things, um, for you and listening to your body and just being at, I mean, it just sounds like a whole, you're just at so much more peace with where you're at right now than you probably ever have been. And that's, I think that's a lovely, I think that's lovely. It, it is the best that I've ever felt. And I feel the most confident about it. And I know that I'm not perfect. And that's never what I was striving for because perfection doesn't exist. But And I know that there's things that people could pick me apart physically, mentally, like anything. But I feel confident that I am doing the things in my life that I feel are important. And I feel good in my body. And I'm okay. Like people always are like, well, I could never love myself the way that you love yourself now. And, um, they're like, cause there's still things about myself that I don't like. And I'm like, Oh, me too. <laughs> like uh, there are things about myself that I don't like, or that I'm like, Oh, I wish I could have this or, and I think loving yourself and feeling good in your body does not mean loving every single thing about you. That's also a myth that I love to clear up because you can get there. And even loving yourself is like not a perfect it's like not a, a perfect thing, but, and, and it also takes a ton of steps because I have been working really hard at it for, um, a decade. And I really think if I had never gone on this journey, I would still be a, a completely stuck with where I always was. And it was really, it was really tough. And I, I fought it a lot of the way. <laughs> so it took, well, and I just, took- yeah, but, and I love that you know, one of the first podcasts I did with my friend, Pam Carey, she talked about the silver lining and she's always somebody um, that looks for those silver linings. And I think that that's appropriate for you in this story is that there was a silver, I mean, it was 
awful. And again, you, you know, you didn't, things happen that you didn't expect. And, but if you didn't go through that, you wouldn't be where you're at today. And there's so many things. There are so many things that are difficult and I find it easy to, to be grateful. Like I always think about if I hadn't been struggling with infertility, I probably never would have even addressed like all my issues with my body because I had just been so frustrated. So I'm like, infertility was terrible and heartbreaking, but it brought me good things. And definitely the show, I mean, and the show wasn't all bad. I'm a people person. So I loved all the relationships and, but it didn't, people think, especially people that maybe just see me on social media or something. They're like, oh, she was on a show 10 years ago. And then her life was happily ever after. And that is not how it went, (laughs) but some amazing things happen. And I think having three daughters was a huge part of me wanting to heal my mind because I would think to myself, goodness, I wouldn't want my daughter to live in such turmoil. I wouldn't want her to always be second guessing whether she should go to a party because she's afraid of the cake. Like that's sad. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want them to live in that way. And I was like, you know what? I have to get like healthier mentally for them. And I wanted to be a mom that was more focused on, cause you know, when you're focused so much on food and your body, it takes your energy away from all these other amazing things that I would rather be focused on. Mm-hmm. And right. so I was like, Oh, I don't want to be so worried about this, that, or so hangry being hangry and momming is not a good combo. That's, so, that's not a good combo. No, no you need a all. lot of patience. And so, um, so yeah, so they were a big inspiration for that. And, um, and you know, it's been awesome to have my mom come along with me because there was a lot of things that, you know, she still hadn't healed from. And I realized that my mom was also a victim of like diet culture. Like she would cry because she was like, well, you got your, you know, body shame from me because I was always dissatisfied with my body. And I was like, but mom, you went through all the same stuff. Like we, we all went through it and we didn't know what to do. And when every angle of society is telling you the same message over and over again. It's really hard to heal from. And so I give her tons of grace, but she has, you know, wholeheartedly everything I've learned, she has been trying to like heal her own relationship and she's doing an amazing job. And I, I just love seeing the cycle broken. Well, and I love that. It sounds like you're, cause sometimes well, just in regular life, moms and daughters relationships can get a little tumultuous, especially during the teen years and early twenties. Um, and you know, you put in struggle and different things like that. At least I know for my, you know, and my daughter, I mean, we've, we have a great relationship, but it's also changed during this time of her struggle. And it sounds like you have that you're, you're close and you talk about these things and perhaps there's been some healing amongst the two of you with your relationship. And I think that that's, that's a really good thing too. Well, my mom has a heart of gold. And the cool thing is, is that no matter what, she's always had the best intentions for my life. And I think maybe if I had been younger, um, maybe it would have gotten messier. I'm not sure. Cause I was more mature, but I think my mom was very patient she didn't understand everything that was going on with me. Um, but she just really, really wanted me to be well. So when she saw me actually truly thriving, she was thrilled Mm -hmm. and she's just been a very supportive person in my life. So 
my mom and I have always been close. And I think, yes, it depends on the personalities of the mom and daughter. Like there's so many different things, but I think the reason why things have always stayed pretty good is even if we disagreed or were confused, we always listened to each other. And, um, you know, sometimes we weren't on the same page at the same time, but we have actually ended up on the same page eventually almost every mm-hmm. time. So, That's and good. we've had a lot of similar traits and struggles and things like that. So we had a lot of similar feelings. Uh, and, you know, I've talked about that, um, you know, just on this show before, just the idea that, I mean, patterns, patterns repeat themselves. There's generational trauma, there's generational patterns that, you know, do continue to repeat and repeat year after year. So sometimes, like you said, I mean, your mom, she does have a heart of gold. I've, you know, met your mom and spent time with her. Um, but she was, she was probably doing what she knew or saying what she knew to say. And sometimes to no fault of hers, because that's perhaps what her mother said, what her grandmother said and those kind of things. Absolutely. And I know I'm going to do it to my daughters too. I mean, there's going to just be some things. That's just the way that it goes. And we can only see life through our lens and our experiences. And, um, and there are many times that she said things to me that made no sense until like later on. And then they're, you know, so yes, but I think you're right. There are a lot of patterns and that's something that I, that I wanted to break for the girls as much as I can. I still worry though, because mm-hmm. we still live in a world that is giving the, the opposite message than what I'm giving. I mean, I still live in a world where people want to be like, but you have to be at this certain place on the weight VMI, whatever. And that is your number one goal. And it, and we've shown, though, through data that that did not work. I mean, the statistics and science, I mean, I've, I've read all these studies because I'm a total nerd. Mm-hmm. And it will tell you that all the conventional, I don't even want to say conventional wisdom, but all the conventional advice for how somebody should get healthier really is all focused on weight loss only. And it doesn't work. And actually, it makes the problem worse because nine times out of 10, the people end up in the restrict binge cycle and they're constantly on and off and on and off. And instead of the word diet, they're really on and off of healthy habits and unhealthy habits. Or something I always like to say is that when I was trying to focus on healthy habits in a diet setting, I would always be allowing myself like the very smallest amount ever. Like say I was eating like nourishing vegetables, but I could only have like half a cup. But then when I was like off a diet, I was like eating a bag of whatever. It just, it made no sense. It was not. Mm. So everything that somebody tells you just move more and eat less, like, and focus on the calories that actually is making everything worse. And it's, and it's literally, I mean, people know it and I don't know why they keep saying it. The, The eating disorder therapists seem to be the only ones that are like, Hey guys, stop it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. That's true. Well, and you talk a lot about, um, about healing and the healing that you've gone through when you talked about a therapist. And I mean, is that, you know, can you talk a little bit about healing? Is that what has helped you the most is to work with a therapist or have been, been other things that have really helped you along this journey? Well, I mean, I do a lot of introspection and I was, I'm really a, uh, somebody who's always just trying to figure things out. So therapy did help me and my therapist was absolutely incredible. But the funny thing is I, I met with her from like 2012 to like 2014 and 
she helped me see a lot of things that I was not able to put into practice. So those years I still was struggling hardcore, even though I was in therapy. So therapy did help me. But the thing I love to tell people is that it like didn't actually help me until years after. And I loved writing Dr. Julie and being like, oh my gosh, like everything that you told me finally is coming together. Because I remember sitting in sessions with her and she would tell me like to stop like restricting certain things. Cause I'd be like, I'm out of control with sugar. I can't eat sugar anymore. And she'd be like, well, the more that you try to, you know, not have sugar, it's just the more that you're going to binge on sugar when you can. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like I'm different from other people. I can never be trusted. And so one day when I got to write her and I'd be like, I can be trusted. And she was like, I know. So therapy was amazing, but I'm just saying that people have to be patient. I know that some of my friends have been like, I did therapy for three months and I'm still struggling. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that's, it's not because we can even have all the answers in our mind. Like I knew certain things were unhealthy behaviors, certain things were healthy behaviors, but I still was struggling to quit it. I guess it was almost like I had just been doing it for so long. And that's what everyone told me was the right thing to do that. I like clung to it longer than I needed to, but really I just did a lot of, I mean, she recommended some different books that I read and I just started really trying to emulate people who we're doing things differently. So I, I did look into a ton of intuitive eating people, intuitive movement people. And, and the thing that really helped me too, is that I read a ton of books and different ideas that different people had, but I gave myself permission for the first time in my life to take the grains that spoke to me. And then if parts of it didn't, or it didn't feel right to me, then I could just not take those in because for so long I would like feel like I had to live by somebody else's rules. And mm -hmm. so I learned so much by little tidbits from so many different people, but it was really just a very long self-reflection of what's going on. What do I actually want out of life and how much longer am I going to let, because truly it was an eating disorder. It was an, a disorder that's hard to like put in a box. Like it doesn't have like a label, but I felt like the eating disorder was stealing my life because it was still my daily obsession was being terrified of weight gain and uh, basically always controlling my food and always like needing to exercise a ton, which is an eating disorder. Like that was my right. whole life. Right. So I, I just didn't want to look back at the end of my life and be like, wow, basically mostly I just focused on a number on a scale. There's yeah. so many better things to be doing with my life. Yeah. And I, again, I think what I love about what you're talking about is that it, you've just, because I think we're very similar in this and that just, just you've, you learn a little bit, you live a little bit, you learn a little bit, you live a little bit, you learn, you live and like, you're learning more. And like you said, you're at a better place now than you were a few years ago when we spoke. And, and it's just, you continue to learn and, and um, I, I don't know, I, for somebody, you know, that's had an eating disorder myself. And then even when I met you, whenever that was, um, like, I remember what you said to me in that hallway. And, you know, you said I was helping women get healthier and lose weight and things like that. And we just had a conversation. You said, you know, talk about emotions when you talk to them about the choices that they're making in their life, you know, get down to you know, to talk about the emotions. And it's very true. Cause I, I think that's what 
I don't know, that really, it really helped me. And I think that that's an important message to, to share is to, again, it's not about the food or the exercise and stuff like that. It's more the feelings and the thoughts and the emotions and things like that, that are behind our actions. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost never really about the food. Not really. Um, Because even if we're talking about diet culture, or we're talking about completely different trauma or a complete, I mean, there's all these different things, but it's really, it never started with the food, really, it was always something else that, and I think, if you focus more on the mental aspects, number one, I think true healing occurs. But number two, I think that there's less shame when you start to dig into some of the reasons. So yeah, I, I still I still feel like that is one of the biggest keys, which is again why I loved therapy because we would talk about, you know, I would say I feel this about food or my body, but then she'd be like, but where, how did you get there? And we would start to tease it all out. And I'd be like, wow, that's crazy. Like, I didn't realize I thought I got here because of something simple. Like I just hated my body, but no, it had nothing to do with that really. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think therapy can be helpful. I mean, I, I'm keeping an eye on the clock here, so we're not going to go much longer, but I know that for myself, um, you know, I started, taking ballroom dance lessons. And I like, I'm all of a sudden in this space of, and I've recorded a couple episodes about it because I'm learning so much about me and like my relationship with my body and the, my relationship with like just my self-love again, I'm learning about dance moves, but I'm learning a lot now that I go into a studio and I look at myself and I got to look in the mirror. I mean, it's, I've, did a post the other day on Facebook that like when I first started dancing, like I didn't look up and I thought I was way past all of that stuff, you know? And I don't know. I look, people say I look, I mean, I look pretty good, but like, I wasn't like looking up and he, that's what he told me. He goes, you have to look up. I mean, you have to, even when you dance, like you, you need to, I mean, you need to look up obviously. Right. But you need to look like into the balcony. Like mm-hmm. you not only have to look up, like look at your, but you have to look at yourself in the mirror so that you can see what you're doing. I mean, that's, and I bring that up because that's, I know that that's a form that's, uh, it's a form of healing for me. It's a form of therapy, you know, which I didn't expect. And, um, but I'm really thankful for it um, because I'm having fun dancing, but I'm really continuing to heal like kind of my heart a little bit. I think that's amazing. And I saw your posts and your pictures and I loved it so much, but I think that's a great example to show that no matter how much progress you've made, there is always progress to be, to be had. And I also think different thoughts that you've had in the past can sneak up anytime. And I think like the thing is, is that the more healing you've done and the more progress you've made, the more you can like turn the thoughts off faster, but it doesn't mean that they don't come. Um, so I love that you, you know, were a little weird about the mirror, no matter how progress, how much progress you've made, because that could happen to anyone else. And they, you might think, oh no, I, I haven't made as much progress, progress as I've thought, but that's not true. Those, those things come into my head too sometimes, but then it's just easy. It's easier now to be like, oh no, that's a lie. Like that's just part of my old mind talking, but that is not the truth. Whereas in the past I would like ruminate there for a long time. So I think that's 
I think that's so awesome. I love yeah. that you're doing that. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I do too. And uh, so many people love that I'm doing it. And, uh, but again, I really love it. Um, I don't know. I love it. And it's just one of those things I just never expected. And like, even today we're working on this choreographed piece of music. Cause that's, he said, pick a song. And I just, again, I just find this very, just very intriguing because I, this is the way I am. <laughs> like I was home making, he said, you know, pick a song. And I picked a couple songs that I like and I gave them to him. He goes, okay, we'll think about these. And I was home making dinner and I play Pandora, you know, music and I was playing whatever my stations. And I heard this song that stopped. I mean, I listened to the words and they, it was beautiful that it brought me to tears and it's piano. I love the piano. I played the piano since I was five. It was piano and her singing. Mm. and I got the song, I got the name of the song, I found it, I listened to it. The words are just very in- profoundly like kind of what I've gone through in my life a bit. So mm. I'm like, okay, this is the song, and that's what we're doing. So a couple of points. Interestingly enough, I I play Pandora all the time, and I thought about it the other day, I'm like, you know what? I've never heard it again on Pandora, and I hear songs repeated all the time because I play the same stations, you know, and I've never heard that one again, which I find very interesting. <laughs> but like we worked on that today and we first started because, you know, we he said it'll take about 12, 15 lessons or whatever to learn it, maybe 20. I don't know. And I like my second lesson, I almost started to cry. I'm like, I can't do this. Like, this is like a lyrical expressive piece. I'm like, I can't, I really, he's like, you can do it, honey. You can do it. I was like, I don't think so. Like I left today and I almost started crying in the car. I'm like, you know what? I think I can do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just, and it's really hard and it's really challenging. And that's what he does. He goes, but I'm going to give you challenging stuff because you can do it. And I believe in you. And so again, it's not about, as I say on my, as I said on my podcast, a couple of, you know, times, it's not about just about the dance moves. It's about me like feeling good about like expressing myself in dance, which I never expected, but I don't know. I could talk about that forever and I got to stop. <laughs> the <laughs> podcast will go another hour, but it's just been so again, unexpected, but just, I'm so thankful for it. And I wanted to bring that up because again, there's way, there's so many ways that we can heal. Mm-hmm. And I want that message to be out there that like find something and maybe it's, maybe it's not what you expected. You know, maybe it is dance. Maybe it is art. Maybe it is, you know, you want us to learn to sing or I don't know, or maybe it's therapy um, or maybe it's retreats or whatever, but there are different ways that we can heal. And it's a good thing to do that. And just to lean into that idea of getting real and listening to your feelings, listening to those thoughts in your head and, um, and just, you know, loving on yourself. I totally agree. And, and that, you know, the plan that's going to help you best, even if you don't think that, you know, it, the thing that I always like want to get across the very most is that like, you could hear what I did, or you could hear what you did or all these different people, but I didn't start to get full healing until I finally was like, I need to follow my own path and it's not going to look like anybody else's. And I just have to keep checking in with myself to see like, do I still feel like, you know, I'm going in a good place because I always wanted somebody to give me like a roadmap and be like, okay, do this, this, and this, and then you'll be 
you'll be well and happy and healed. And I would read books and I'd want that. But I, I feel like now stronger than ever, no matter what it is in your life, that you really need to trust yourself and you will know when you're on the right path for you. And mine, again, like I said earlier, is like a hodgepodge of a bunch of different things that I've learned along the way. And it, it's just, and I, when I tell other people about it, I'm like, you need to find your own like thing. And I, and I even tell them when I'm talking to them, you feel free to reject anything that I'm telling you because you can, it's your path and it's your journey. And I really want to empower people to find their own healthy, because I know that that's, what's going to make them feel best in all the ways. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a perfect way to, to wrap it up today. Um, I just, I, again, I loved our conversation and um, I'm just, I'm just really, I'm happy for you because um, again, I, I just love to hear that again, you're finding your, you're, you're doing this healing. Um, you feel great. And again, despite all of the hodgepodge and the ups and downs <laughs> and things like that, you've, you're finding yourself in a place that's, um, that's, it sounds like it's, like I said, like it's peaceful and you're happy and I'm happy for you. And thank um, you. Yeah. You're welcome. And I'm so thankful that you came today and um, wonderful, wonderful conversation, wonderful episode. So thank you. Um, I will put in the show notes um, if you want, Jackie, if you're okay with that, just how people can find you if they do want to follow you. I didn't, I guess I didn't ask you that. Um, You know, you are on, you are on social media, so people can find you, right? Yeah. And um, so I will put that in the the show notes um, because sometimes people do like to reach out to my guests too and just, you know, tell them how much they appreciated their, you know, what they shared or, you know, many of my guests um, are helping others too. So anyway, I'll leave that in the show notes. But again, thank you uh, for spending your time with me. And thank you listeners again for continuing to come here um, and listen and to share these episodes because, we just need to continue to, there's, I spoke with someone earlier today and maybe it was you too, but there's just not enough conversation about this. Um, eating disorders are a, a secretive, a secretive disorder. And because of that, I truly believe that we just need to have more conversations and shed more light on this, these, these things that we talked about today um, so that people can feel like there is a place for healthy. There's a place for peace. There's a p- place for happy. And that's a good thing. So anyway, so that's, uh, that's it for today. Again, thanks for joining me. Thanks for coming back. Thanks again, Jackie. And um, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know, as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk, and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.